0: Is where I want to speak to us from, and and I want to speak to us today from from this passage. It's a parable that Jesus is speaking to. He visits a Pharisee. He visits a Pharisee, and in a while he's with this Pharisee, they are having uh, they are having a meal, and it is a Saturday uh, or the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was a very important day, you know, a very important day to, to Jewish and Hebrew tradition. So he's sitting with the Pharisee who is a teacher of the law, somebody who teaches the laws that say that you should not do any work on the Sabbath day. And so Jesus just starts to challenge them and, and, uh, uh, and, and he asks them, you know, because a certain man comes in who was sick uh, on the day, And Jesus says, you know, this guy is sick. Should we let this sick guy go away when we can just say a word and have him healed? So he says this word and says we healed and this guy is healed. And then he looks at the Pharisees and obviously all these teachers of the law and the rulers of the law, you know. So so to understand who the Pharisees are in our today's context, it'll be sort of people like the council of elders in the church where the pastor and his leadership team are sitting and then they just come as an ordinary guy in the congregation, you know, and he does, he, he says a prayer that's not supposed to be prayed on the day. You know, why? Because the prayer is seen as working. Um, and, and, you know, that's just basically the context, you know. This guy has become healed and doctors were not supposed to work on a Sabbath. So if people were sick, they should just stay sick and wait until the next day, then they could be healed. (laughs) You know, that's the context. So this is why the the, the council of elders that were sitting with, that Jesus was having a meal with, were having a problem with what Jesus had done. Uh, And so he says, guys, uh, this guy is sick. Is it really a problem that we make him well today? And, and then he says, you know, if one of you guys, your oxen falls into a, a hole, a deep hole, we're talking about sheep earlier on, those that were there. If your sheep falls into a big hole, will you just leave it there until tomorrow, Monday, or Sunday, um, when you can work again, or you still rescue it on the day that it has fallen into trouble? So, so here's, these guys are thrown into a dilemma of, of some sorts. And then Jesus moves from this dilemma because he doesn't get an answer from them. And then he starts talking about about guys uh, because, you know, people had been invited to come to sit with this Pharisee and and eat with this Pharisee. He must have been an important teacher of the law. And so some guys have taken the choicest seats. So, you know, like when you invite people and you set a big table. and, um, and, And normally when you set a table, you have a chair which says, this is daddy's chair, this is mommy's chair, and then the kids sit here, and then the guests sit here, and so on, and so on, and so on. Now, now, now these guys have gone and saw the places which probably look like the most important seats, and they've gone to sit over there, at these seats. So Jesus starts to make a remark and say, you know, guys, if I were you, I would be smarter, and I would not rush to sit on the most important seats. Unless the giver of the party or the host says, please go and sit on the most important part of the seat. Why? Because if there is really an important guest that then arrives later, you would be embarrassed because the host will be forced to come and say, hey, you're not supposed to be sitting here. You should actually be, find a seat at the back somewhere. This chair. Is reserved for this person that he brings over there. So he's having this conversation. And then, in the twist of this conversation, you come to verse 14, verse 15. Verse 15. Um, and, And verse 15 is a remark that is made by one of the guys who was sitting there because Jesus has just said, Guys, those of you that throw parties. Don't invite the most important people because those guys can also invite you back to their party. Invite the guys that will never invite you back. Because then you will be a blessing and you will get a reward. But you will not get a reward immediately from them because they they can't invite you back. You will get a reward later at the resurrection of our Lord. Uh, Of the just and then verse 15, one of them who was sitting there to eat with him, when he heard these things, he said, blessed is he that eats bread in the kingdom of God. So this guy, he's, he's, really, he's really caught something onto what Jesus is saying. And so he says, wow, that person who will be with you in this resurrection of the just that you're talking about, blessed is he. But Jesus then goes on and said, A certain man gave a great feast or a great supper, a great invitation and invited many. Many have been invited. I know you've been, if you've been like me, we've been inviting many. You've been putting your invite, invites on Facebook. and I could, Somebody called me and says, what's happening in AGP? There are all kinds of invites and things going on. I said, yes, we are, we are making a big outreach. Just let people know that there is something going on. That the church is still alive. That Jesus is still alive. So he says, there was a great feast and many were invited. And he sent his servant at the time of the feast. So normally you invite people well in advance of the feast, before the time. So that when the time of the feast comes, you remind them that now is the time, come. And so now was the time for those to come. And he says, go and tell them all the things are now ready, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. You know, there are all kinds of excuses you will hear. And I'm quite sure some of you have heard some, all kinds of strange excuses when you've asked people to come to church. I've heard some, some, some people say, it's too warm to come to church. And I can see by the look of your faces, you're all starting to look tired and say, when is pastor gonna finish? We can't keep listening to you. Right? So, so, so some, some say, it's too warm. When it's winter, some will say it's too? When it's raining, some will say it's too? When it's not raining, some will say it's too? Dry. So there's always an excuse, you know, and 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 um, and some will say I don't have clothes. I said, what do you mean you don't have clothes? I don't have clothes for church. Who says they are clothes for church? You know, but but people will find one excuse for the other. It's, it's just just so here they start to give excuses, and the first one said, uh, I bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you. Um, I ask you to to have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city. Bring in here the poor, and the maimed, and the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded. Still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of these, those men who were invited shall taste my supper. You know, this is the parable that Jesus eventually tells them on this particular day when he's sitting with them at, a, at another man's feast. And he starts to tell them that, you know what, there is a bigger feast. You know, it's not just a story that Jesus makes up because he's been talking about, about all these principles of what to do when you come to a feast. So I love, I love this parable because it tells you some basic etiquette about when you go into a place... It also tells you some, some, some important aspects about when you are invited, you get to learn some lessons. But I leave those lessons for a leadership lesson one day. But, but, but he, he's, he's talking about all these things because there is something deeper that we need to understand. And I, and I want to just explain to you a few things that, are, that I find that we need to catch from what Jesus is saying. The first very thing is that we are guests. We are all his guests. We are all his guests and he has prepared a banquet for us. He has prepared a table for us. He has prepared something for us. In Psalm 23, David talks about, he leads me to, to into pastures green jesus is his, my lord the lord is my shepherd i shall not want anything he leads me into pastures green not only does he bring me to pastures green but he eventually brings me to a table where there is plenty and there is overflowing there is overflowing goodness on the table of god why because goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life That's what David says in Psalm 23. And then Jesus here is illustrating that there is a a banquet, there is a feast, there is a supper, there is an invitation that has gone out to you. And I want to extend to somebody, in case you had not gotten the invitation, I want to extend that invitation out to you, that Jesus invites you to come and dine with him, Amen. amen. He is the master that is being talked about in the story. He is the master that is being talked about in this context. He is the one who has set the greatest feast for us. And that feast is a place where we can get whatever we want. Amen. Amen. We can get peace. We can get joy. We can get life. We can get the different things we need to live life here on earth. Amen. Amen. He has set a table for us. And so there is a great banquet that is ready for us. It's an illustration that there is a place for you. Amen. Amen. Tell a neighbor there's a place for me. There's a place for me in Jesus. There's a place for me in this world. There's a place for me in this life. One of the things that is, that is, that is, is, is a burden, you know, a burden is just something that's just, this, this. oh God, I just want to tell somebody this, is, is, is that God is saying, I give you peace. I don't know who you are. I don't know what's going on in your life, but Jesus says, I give you peace. And at the table, at the feast of Jesus, there is peace. You can get that peace. Amen. Amen. If you can come to Jesus, He will give you peace. Amen. Amen. And so There's a place that's prepared for us. Jesus, when He was speaking to His disciples in John chapter 14, in John chapter 14, verse 2 through to 4, his disciples were worried because Jesus was saying, uh, it's, it's my time here on earth is about up. I'm going to be crucified and then I'm going to, 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 to die for the world and I'll rise up again. And then I will resurrect and go back to the Father. But the Holy Spirit is going to come over to you. And His disciples are worried about all these things that Jesus is telling them. And then He says in John chapter 14, verse 2, He says, My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have... Would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. Jesus has a place for you. There is a place for you in the Father. Amen. Amen. Heaven has a place for you. Amen. Amen. And and there is room for all of us. So this is the first thing that Jesus is, is saying. There is a place for you. He invites us to his feast because he wants to dine with us. That's the second thing. He invites us because he wants to dine with us. In revelation in revelations chapter 3 verse 20 he says behold i stand at the door and i knock revelation 3 verse 20 behold i stand at the door and i knock if any man hears my voice i'm knocking hello hello if any man hears my voice and does what and opens up the door i will come into him and I will sup with him. What is to sup? I will have supper with him. Sup, supper. Dine, dinner. I will dine with him. I will eat with him. I will share life with him. When you say I'm eating with someone, it's because there is a relationship. You don't eat with people you have no relationship with. It doesn't matter what level of relationship there is, there has to be some relationship. You don't eat with your enemy and say, I'm eating with him. You don't eat with him. Huh? You might be in the same place eating with your enemy, but you're not eating with him. As far as I see when people say, this person, I don't like this person. They are very watchful about, what is he doing to my food? And if you see somebody you don't like looking at your plate in one way or the other, even, even if it's just admiring what's in your plate, you are suspicious, what do they want to do to my food? You don't eat with, with them. But when you say, I'm eating with you, it means there's just something that connects us. Deep, small, big, whatever. There's something that just connects us. So I eat with you. And Jesus is saying, if you open the door, I will come in. I will sit with you. I will eat with you. I will sup with you. I will be with you. And, and notice, I, 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 I love the way the scripture then turns around. It says, I will come in and eat with him. And He with me. Because He's looking after relationship. He's saying, if you open, I will come in and I will have a relationship with you. Amen. Amen. And, and He desires to have a relationship with us. To have a connection with us. And, and to, to be where we are. Because He is Emmanuel. He wants, he wants us to really know that He is there with us. That's why he says, I'll come in and then he is with me. Tell your neighbor he is, Emmanuel. he is Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us, means Jesus with us. Just like Yahweh. Yahweh is the name of God. And, and Yahweh is the name of God that says, I am who I am. I'm just God. I'm just God. That's his name. It's a Hebrew word. Alpha Omega. Alpha means beginning, omega means the end. And and so God is our alpha and He is our omega. He wants to surround us and be with us always. But it's it's as much as He is already there everywhere, because we say God is everywhere, right? But He wants you to have a deeper understanding of Him also being with you. That he's not just a God for the pastor. He's not just a God for the priest. He's not the God of the priest. He's the God of me. That's what he's saying there. That I with him, I will be with him, I will eat with him and stay with him. So he wants to dine with us and to live with us, to live in our lives. Amen. Amen. And so he says, that, and, and, and at this table, he's, they, like I told you, there is room. When the people began to give him excuses. Remember, the Bible says he invited many. We are only told of the excuses of three. Sorry, three. We are only told of the excuses of three. But there were many that were invited. And, and so, I, if, if, if I put on my logical hat, I think there were some that came that had been already invited, and there were some that did not come. And, and, and for those that did not come, the Master then says to his servant. Go out and bring whoever you can see in the street. And he tells them to look for particular people. Go and look for the poor, the maimed, the whole, the blind. Bring them in. Go and bring these people in. And they go out and start looking for these people. And my question was, why didn't he just say, go out and bring anybody you see? Along the way, he says, go and bring these ones because these people seem to have a particular need. And this master now wants them to enjoy the very best of what he has. Amen. Amen. God wants you to have the very best of what is there. There is a general invitation to all of us. But you know what? There are some people that may not have qualified for the first invitation. And now he sends them out and says, go bring them out. The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Go bring these people in because they may not have made it to the first invitation. But now I make them part of the core business of what we're gonna do on this supper. They are the people that must enjoy this meal, amen. And so here Jesus speaks to us. in the in the in the aspects of the things that are being mentioned number one the poor the poor here is not necessarily when you start looking at it deeper it's not necessarily because they have no money or they're poor because they have no substance it is the poor in spirit it is the poor in spirit in emotion you can be poor in your emotion poor in your spirit you can have medical aid like we all do right You can have enough money from your welfare, like we all have enough to live. We can have a bed to sleep in, but be poor in spirit. And that's the poverty that is being talked about here. Poor in spirit. There is something lacking in the inner man. There is something wanting in the inside of you. And Jesus is, is saying, the master sends to go bring them in. So that he might give them something from his table. Amen. Amen. Whatever you are poor in. Whatever you are lacking in. Some of us are lacking in confidence. You're poor in spirit. Some of us are lacking are lacking in, in, in just emotional strength. Poor in spirit. And then so Jesus says, if you can come here and take, partake of the table. Eat from my table. Eat of my supper. I will give you the strength that you need. Amen. Amen. Some of us are weak. We cannot accomplish that which we cannot accomplish. And so we, we can fall into all kinds of abuses because we are weak. Jesus is saying at my table, I will give you strength. Amen. Amen. The poor, the crippled, crippled by all kinds of things. We have been incapacitated. By all kinds of things. Those are the crippled and the lame. These are people that are incapacitated. It's not only the physical lame. It's not only the physical crippleness. It's also the crippleness because of life circumstances. Sometimes we've been through things cheated by a guy cheated by a woman abused by a parent Rejected by a mother whatever it is. You've been crippled on something the supervisors have dented you How many of us have been told by teachers you will never make it to university? And so you grew up went through school thinking I, I'm not good enough When people told you you're not good enough Or they told you, are not beautiful enough to get married. And so you've lived your life saying, no guy is ever going to look at me. Because you're just crippled in your mind. Crippled in your heart. Crippled in your mindset. And it is these people that Jesus is saying, bring to my table that I may give them that which they deserve. People who are challenged in the workplace. And you can't feel like you're making progress. Life has thrown all kinds of bricks at you. It's these people that Jesus is saying, bring them to my table and I will give them hope. Come to Jesus' table. He will give you hope. Amen. Amen. And you also can come to that place where Jesus will open things up for you. And so that's why he says, go and invite them. And the servant goes out. He comes back and says, Master, we've done what you have said. But still, there is room. Remember, I told you there is enough room. So you cannot rule yourself out because there is enough room. There is enough room. There is room for you in the church. This is also what I just love about it. Because sometimes people say to me, Pastor, do you know that some people in your church are bad? And I say, yeah, I know. That's why it's church. They are here to be fixed. They are here to to, to be changed. And they will be changed by Jesus as long as they stay here. I'm not looking for a church of only righteous people. I'm looking for a church that is alive, that is turning people who are supposed to be outside, bringing them into the inside. And the only way is to bring those people that are not qualified to be church in. You know, I was never qualified to be church. I went to discos, I wore my pants backwards. Yes, crisscross. you're of the generation. We wore them baggy jeans. We were not qualified for church. But, but, but the invitation went out. And say, hey you, with your jacket the wrong way round. We wore it inside out. Because that was the fashion. And when we walked, we walked with the bounce. We're not qualified to be pastors. But Jesus qualifies us by the great invitation. Hallelujah. I'm a scientist. So I know everything about evolution. I can tell you the theories. Could never have, have imagined that I could stand and talk about faith. You know, but the great invitation has gone out and it invites you to come in. As far as I was concerned, I didn't have a problem. <laughs> you know, some people come to church because they have problems. I, I didn't have a problem. Student well in school, came out with some good eight A's and a B. My grandfather said he failed. He failed one subject. And, and people, so, what was that subject? How did he fail? And he says, oh, instead of getting an A, he got a B. That's how my grandfather used to board. So I was good. So if you told me that Jesus is there to solve problems, I'll tell you I don't have a problem. Dad paid the school fees. I went on every trip I wanted, basically. And there were other kids who didn't come along. So those are the, those are the guys that should go and pray. <coughs> now I've got a PhD. When they say the doctors, please stand aside. I will join, and there are a few of us with doctorates. Normally, I say normally because in a church like this, there are many people doing doctorates. Huh? <laughs> but generally, there are not many. Huh? Top scientists, so I will join them. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not, it's not about, it's not about. But the great invitation says, "Come, come to me, and dine with me, and be with me." The great invitation gives you much more than all these other things. It gives you something deeper inside. It, it addresses things that are deeper in the spirit. Amen. Amen. And so, while we were outside propping up the theories, doing the discos, Jesus says, "Come." And I'm here just to say to somebody, Jesus also says, "Jesus says, Come says, come, come and sit with me and I will sit with you. Come and be with me and I will be with you. Come. All you have to do is accept. You know, there's yet another people that are blind, blind to the truths of life. Or they've been blinded by all kinds of teachings. You know, there's so much teaching. Like I said, as a scientist, the science blinds people. And we can't see the truth, because unless mc squared equals e, it's not making sense. The physicist should have caught that. Unless the theorem is, is not disproved, it's not making sense. And, and, and there are a lot of things, like healing. When you pray for somebody and they get healed, that just don't make sense. Because typically, you say, well, the person has an infection, and in order to deal with this infection, we need to give antibiotic. But then somebody just prays for them, and they don't need to have a five-week course of antibiotic. Or they need to be treated for cancer and chemo, and then somebody prays for them, and then the doctor says, but I saw a big tumor last week, where is it now? It, it, It doesn't make sense. Or the doctor who says, the foot is broken, and then we pray. We prayed for one boy here, just, just over here, just over there. He had broken his foot, and he was already thinking, I will not play football again. And we prayed for him. The doctor looks and says, the fracture is gone. You can play football again. It, it doesn't make sense. And they think, did, did our instruments fail to see to see it? No, it's not the instrument failed anything. It just doesn't make sense. But then because men and women are blind to the truth of God's love, to the truth of... We are seeking to have an explanation behind everything. It doesn't make sense. Why do I suddenly feel so much peace and so much joy without going through therapy? I don't know do Do you recognize what I'm talking about? And so I want to say to somebody, this is the great invitation that Jesus gives to us. To say come to me and i'll give you peace he gives he gives an invitation to 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 us in matthew in matthew chapter 11 and he says come to me verse 28 matthew 11 verse 28 come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul my yoke is easy And my burden is light. John 10.10, he says, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus invites us to a full life. To have life to the full. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so, this, this invitation he makes to us is a call to come and enjoy the plenty that is at His table. So that is the first invitation. The second invitation that I want to speak to is to those of us that are already in church, that are like the servant that is being sent by the Master. The servant is sent to those that were already invited and comes back and gives a report. And he's sent again to those that were were now being invited. And he comes back and gives a report. And yet the master sends him again in verse 23 of that Luke chapter 14. And he says, go out into the highways. Don't just go into the lanes close to our house. Now go out into the highways and into the hedges and into the countries and, and, and tell them to come in. Compel them to come. Compel them to come so that my house may be full. This is the the message for the rest of us that the God lays on our hearts to say we need to go out not only to the places close to us, but go out into the countryside, go out into the highways, go out and tell them, compel them, tell them to come, compel them, compel them, compel them. We need to be compelling. Amen. Amen. We need to tell them about the goodness of God. We need to tell them the good news that we have. Last week I told you that you have good news. You need to compel them with that good news. Amen. Amen. So go out and tell them. Compel them with the good news. Compel them to come. There is more than enough room at the table. There is more than enough for all of us. Whatever you need. Healing. Love. Joy. Peace. Hope. There is room. Security protection, there is room. Laughter, there is room. You can get it. You can get it. Strength to succeed and to make it, you can get it. There is room. Go out and compel them that there is a way, that there is a way, and there is a righteous way. There is a way which is righteous. There is a way which is a blessing. There is a way that God has made for us. And so that is the call. To all of us. That are already in the house. That are already saying we are Christians. We are born again. We are walking with the Lord. Go out and compel them. Go back and compel them. You say yes I've gone. And they didn't come. Go back and compel them. Because there is still yet room. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor there is yet room. Yes. Yes. There is yet room. So you can bring some more. You can bring some more. You can, you can bring them in because there is room. Jesus has room for all of us. Christ died for each and every one of us individually. Amen. Amen. He knows you as an individual. He loves you as an individual. His grace, His mercy is enough for you as an individual. To minister to your needs, to your cares, to your concerns this is the call and I want to read I want to read John 3 verse 16 and 17 are you there with me? So, for God so loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Save the world, for, save them from what? This is is the question that intellectual people like me always have. Save me from what? Can Jesus save me from the bills that I have not paid? My answer is yes. And if you want to know how, try. Can Jesus save me from the sickness and the persistent headaches that I have? The answer is yes. You want to know? Try. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Can Jesus save me from my depression? The answer is yes. You want to know? Try. It's a great invitation. Come and sit and dine with me. Can Jesus save me from my troubled marriage? The answer is yes. You want to know? What's the answer? Try. 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 Can, can Jesus help me with the troubles I have in my relationship with my father, or with my mother, or with my uncle, or the, the fights I keep having with my neighbor? The answer is yes. Jesus came to save us and not to condemn us. Can He save me from the troubles at work? The answer is yes. Try. Taste and see that the Lord is good. good. Come to me, all you that are weary. Weary of what? Life. You know, sometimes we are weary with life, yet we are dressed so smart. Nice perfumes, like I smell them today. I'm sure everybody put an extra dose. I don't want them to smell the sweat. But we are weary inside. How, how, how do I know? I also see them at work. I see them at work. And, and you know, the beauty of, of this country is that at work we have people that are called confidentiality officers, where, where if you have a trouble, you can go and talk to them. And I can tell you sometimes people come and talk to me about stuff that you wonder, wow, is this really happening? In this workplace, beautiful buildings, people earning a lot of money, but they are weary. Go to the park and sit down with people and listen to their story. You know, people are weary and we can tell them that there is a Jesus that helps carry the burden. If you are burdened, try him and he will help you. Can you rise up to your feet with me? I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for yourself first. And just commit yourself to the Lord. I may have said one thing or the other, that spoke to you and i want you to pray about that thing the thing that spoke to you so just pray in your own heart in your own way just just pray about that. say lord help me help me as concerning this man And then I, I just want to pray and give opportunity to somebody who says, I want to try it. I've not given my life to Christ. I've been there. I'm here. But I, I don't have this relationship. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. He say, I want to open up to you to open up to him. I want him to come into my life and sit with me and dine with me. If you're there, just raise your hands to God. With our eyes closed, every one of us, with eyes closed. It's a prayerful moment. It's a moment of decision. So I need Jesus in my life. I want to try. I want to try. just raise your hand where you are. just raise it that I can see it. if you want to try. I've never tried here before, but now I want to try. Father, I thank you for those hands that are raised. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the hearts that give themselves to you. I pray, O oh God, that Jesus, you will receive these hearts as they try you, as they reach out to you. Thank you that your arms are not short to heal, to hold them, to stand with them, to help them, Lord. I pray that, God, you will strengthen them from this day onwards at their point of their need. But deeper than that, Lord, I pray that their lives will be transformed as they give themselves to you, as they receive your grace, your mercy, your goodness, as they changed, are changed inside. Let them walk and know that they are your children, that they belong to you. Fill them with your love and with your mercy, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.